0: mormonism 101 a book by mormonism research ministries bill mckeever and eric johnson has helped many who want to understand what separates mormonism from the christian faith mormonism 101 is available at your favorite christian bookstore or online at mrm.org viewpoint on mormonism the program that examines the teachings of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints from a biblical perspective viewpoint on mormonism is sponsored by mormonism research ministry since 1979 mormonism research ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of christ with answers regarding the christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect and now we hope you enjoy this repeat broadcast
1: our thanks to adam's road band for that musical introduction and welcome to this edition of viewpoint on mormonism i'm your host bill mckeever founder and director of mormonism research ministry With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We're looking at the May 2017 edition of Ensign. This is the conference edition. There was a talk that was given by President Russell M. Nelson. He gave a talk drawing the power of Jesus Christ into our lives. And there were some things that he said in this talk that if you are listening as a Latter-day Saint... And let me just say that it's very important that when you listen to the leaders of the Mormon Church speak in general conference, that you read and listen to what they're saying as if you were a member of the LDS Church. Now, what do I mean by that? Don't listen to them as an evangelical Christian. Because they will use terminology that may sound very familiar to you and if you assume that when they use this terminology that they are saying things that you believe, you could be very, very wrong in that because they define a lot of these terms very differently. There's going to be an example in this talk given by Russell M. Nelson where that happens. So, as we go through this, I just want to make this point, this observation. The Mormon teaching regarding salvation has not changed in recent years. Even though you may have Mormons tell you, well, we believe we're saved by grace, what does that really mean? Is it by grace through faith alone, or is it grace alone? plus something that the Mormon must do. I think in this talk, Russell M. Nelson does give a distinction, but you have to read what he says through the lens of Mormonism to really grasp it. Let's go back to the beginning of his talk, where he cites John 3.16, Eric. He says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to help us. I don't recall John 3.16 being read quite that way, do you? And that's the footnote after the word son. There's a footnote, number two, and it cites John 3.16.
2: But then he adds on to help us, and he has a different quote for that. So he's not literally saying that's John 3.16, but as a reader or a listener of this conference talk, you might not catch that, and you might even think, oh, yeah, he's quoting from John 3.16, and that last part to help us is certainly not there. And he goes on and says, And his Son, Jesus Christ, gave his life for us, also that we could have access to godly power, power sufficient to deal with the burdens, obstacles, and temptations of our day. Today, I would like to speak about how we can draw into our lives the power of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ.
1: Now, what is the purpose of being able to do that? Well, Mr. Nelson is going to explain that as he goes on in his talk. And on page 40, he goes on to explain this.
2: As Latter-day Saints, we refer to his mission as the Atonement of Jesus Christ, which made resurrection a reality for all and made eternal life possible for those who repent of their sins and receive and keep essential ordinances and covenants.
1: This was the main quotation that I was referring to earlier, because in this one paragraph, Russell M. Nelson shows a unique doctrine of Mormonism where they separate the effects of the atonement into two categories. What he says here is we refer to his mission as the atonement of Jesus Christ, which made resurrection a reality for all and made eternal life possible for those who repent of their sins and receive and keep essential ordinances and covenants.
2: These seem to flow together if you're not catching what Mormonism is all about. I can see a lot of evangelical Christians not catching the nuance of what he's saying there.
1: Well, let me cite you from Joseph Fielding Smith in his book, Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 1, page 134. Joseph Fielding Smith was the 10th president of the Mormon Church, and I want you to remember what Russell M. Nelson said, and listen carefully to what... Joseph Fielding Smith says in this citation where he says salvation is twofold general that which comes to all men irrespective of a belief in this life in Christ and individual that which man merits through his own acts through life, and by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Do you see the pattern between that citation, Eric, and the one that Russell M. Nelson made? Of course. In other words, Mormons do believe that there is a general resurrection. It has been described as being saved by grace. It doesn't matter what you've done in this lifetime. It doesn't even matter what you've believed. You can be an atheist, and you're still going to be saved by grace, according to that definition.
2: And when Nelson says resurrection, he's referring to a resurrection to one of the three kingdoms of glory. So everybody's going to get that.
1: But they are not going to get that resurrection to the top level of glory, known as the celestial kingdom, because that has to be met with fulfilled requirements. When he says he made eternal life possible, he's referring to celestial exaltation. Celestial exaltation is described as. A gift, But it is a gift that the Mormon must work for, so that word gift doesn't even make sense in our vocabulary, because a gift is usually something that is given without anything expected in return. That's not so when it comes to exaltation in Mormonism. Let me
2: cite another statement from Joseph Fielding Smith, and this is found in The Way to Perfection, page 172. He said, All that we can do for ourselves, we are required to do. We must do our own repenting. We are required to obey every commandment and live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If we will do this, then we are freed from the consequences of our own sins. The plan of salvation is based on this foundation. No man can be saved without complying with these
1: laws. So if we will do this, and do what? Well, you have to keep all the commandments. Every commandment, he said. You have to obey every commandment and live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That would include all the statements that have been made by Mormon leaders since the beginning of the LDS Church's existence. Because they do look at their leaders as being spokesmen on behalf of God. Perhaps not in every single thing that they have said, but certainly when they speak in general conference, that is something that the member of the LDS Church can believe is gospel truth. Russell M. Nelson is not teaching anything new here. He's teaching traditional Mormonism. And if a member hopes to have eternal life, otherwise known as exaltation, or godhood in the Mormon vernacular, he must keep essential ordinances and covenants. Well, that's exactly what Joseph Fielding Smith was teaching many years ago, so nothing has really changed in that area.
2: So this article, Drawing the Power of Jesus Christ into Our Lives, is talking about this enabling power that allows you to be able to keep the commandments that you wouldn't be able to do by yourself. He continues on in this talk on page 41 in the middle column, halfway down. He says, We also increase the Savior's power in our lives when we make sacred covenants and keep those covenants with
1: precision. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, with precision. Yes. You mean you don't get credit for trying? the way Jeffrey R. Holland, a Mormon apostle, said not too terribly long ago?
2: when well, when you try, you're not actually doing it, so precision seems to be that you actually are fulfilling what you're supposed to do.
1: Wait, you mean you don't have to follow Moroni 1032 and deny yourself of all ungodliness the way 70 James Hamula said not too terribly long ago? Mm. What am I supposed to do if I'm a Latter-day Saint? Am I supposed to keep these covenants? And the covenants include promising to keep all the commandments am i supposed to keep those covenants with precision or can i say well moroni 1032 i don't really have to follow that fully
2: do you think a lot of latter-day saints are getting confused because they're hearing these other talks and then here comes a traditional russell m nelson stating it as it is
1: i think there would be confusion Well, if they're not confused, I certainly am, and I read this stuff every day, and I see there's an inconsistency in what's being told to members of the LDS Church. Can you imagine, though, if James Hamula, when he said that you don't really have to follow to the letter, Moroni 1032, and deny yourself of all ungodliness, imagine if he's wrong, and Russell M. Nelson is right. And I would say, in the grand scheme of things, Russell M. Nelson has superior authority over James Hamill. Sure. If James Hamill is wrong and you've got Mormons following his advice, can you imagine if Russell M. Nelson is telling the truth, the dire consequences that would be faced by the member of the LDS Church? If someone was to listen to Jeffrey R. Holland and understand his statement that you get credit for trying, that you don't have to really keep your covenants with precision... As Russell M. Nelson has said in this talk, what kind of trouble would you be in on Judgment Day?
2: And then he says something else on that page, page 41. He says, covenant-keeping men and women seek for ways to keep themselves unspotted from the world so there will be nothing blocking their access to the Savior's power. So according to what Nelson is saying, if you are not unspotted from the world, you're, you're conforming to the ways of the world, as Romans 12 talks about, Then you won't have access to the power that God would give you to be able to keep
1: those. And don't you need, as a Latter day Saint, that power to be exalted? I guess what we need to get across here is we are not saying that there's anything wrong with wanting to live a life unspotted from the world. He takes that from the New Testament. Yes, we should. That is part of our sanctification. But the way Mormons talk about it, if you are spotted by the world, If you, in fact, do not keep your covenants with precision, if you, in fact, do not repent of all of your sins, which means to confess and forsake them, and if you don't keep the essential ordinances and covenants that you have received, then according to Mormonism, you will not be exalted. You will not be with your family throughout eternity. You ask most Latter-day Saints, what are you looking forward to in the next life? I will almost guarantee they are not going to say, I'm looking forward to being with Jesus, my Savior. The most common answer you hear from Latter-day Saints is, I want to be with my family. Well, if you don't keep covenants with precision, and if you don't repent of all your sins and keep those essential ordinances that the Mormon Church has laid down for its membership, then the hope of being with your family vaporizes, if that was even a true principle to begin with, which of course it's not.
0: Looking for a resource written for young people that explains the Mormon religion from a biblical perspective? Mormonism 101 for Teens by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson addresses basic LDS doctrine while answering important questions such as, Is it okay to date my Mormon friend? This book has helped many young Christians to better understand their own faith as well as the faith of Latter-day Saints. Mormonism 101 for Teens can be purchased online at mrm.org.